Revolution. I can't get no call to action, but I try and I try and I try. Hello and welcome to Call to Action, the go-to podcast for anyone trying to make sense of the world of marketing, advertising and beyond. In an industry that is a minefield of utter bollocks, we aim to capture our heroes and allies from the front line to have a chinwag with. It's like Pokemon Go, with the single but vital exception that it's not a short-term bandwagon of shite. It's brought to you by Gasp and I'm Giles Edwards. Today I've caught Mark Lewis, a seriously impressive, creative mind perched atop the industry's finest pantaloons. Mark is the man at the helm of the world's most awarded ad school, the School of Communication Arts. As founder and dean, he's dead set on delivering the very best creative education to the very best talent, endeavouring to have at least one third of their students on scholarships. With a heart bigger than his baggy trousers, there's a plethora of kind words I could use to describe Mark. Then I remember he's a gooner, so I won't. But there's plenty we can agree on, (laughs) including this. Mark says, instead of pay increases for the fool's gold on offer at Cannes, I would prefer to see people rewarded when creating tangible value for their clients. The average art director in Shoreditch is more likely to know the price of their cryptocurrency stock than their clients' shares. Well said and welcome to the show, Mark. Shit, I forgot I said that, Giles. Hello. And um, my students will know that I give ridiculously hyped-up introductions to the people that are kind enough to talk at the school. And now I know what it feels like, because that was way too generous. And um, <laughs> you may be all, all tingly on this hot day. Thank I'll, you. I'll correct it as we go on, Mark. <laughs> You'll find some balance. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Mark. We've, we've got our seven quick-fire questions, which I'm going to hurl at you now. So Croydon or Brixton? Brixton. Bergkamp or Henri? Uh, Henri. John Gillard or Sir John Hegarty? John Gillard. Sorry, Sir John, but John Gillard. Communication or advertising? Communication? This is too easy so far. Right, British Airways face or Tango Orange Man? Oh, fuck. So they're the two. Um, uh, uh, Tango. Tango because because, um, for me it was also integrated, you know, it... It banged out into the playgrounds, and so it was viral and social. Um, and also there were some, some guerrilla stunts. Like, I hear that they um, um, purposefully filled some of the bins around schools with tango to make it look popular. So it was just beautiful joined-up thinking. Do you know what I mean? So both both campaigns were, were sexy as, but but for me, everything about tango, that, 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 that campaign, is just rock, rock, you know, rocket fuel. That's incredible. I remember having a meeting, a meeting, an assembly at school even, where the headmaster had to talk to us about our behaviour in the playground due to everyone running around like big orange. Yeah. And actually, it's that kind of seeping into culture that I know, uh, you know, Paul Feldrick will talk about quite rightly at length, that it's just so wonderful and so so magical. One things British Airways is phenomenal. I remember watching that when I went to see Indiana Jones at the, at the, at the movers, and the BA ad was was, you know, more on my mind afterwards than Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones. But but yeah, Tango, um, Tango, Tango did yeah. it all. Wonderful. Good answer. Right, two more. Why does the peddler sing or can't sell, won't sell? Oh, Jesus, that's really, that's really hard. Um, um, oh, can't sell, won't sell because there's a 
Um, a, such an important message. I mean, they're both important, obviously, but can't sell, won't sell, can't sell, won't sell. Oh, Feldrick, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, my last one then creativity or effectiveness 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 um, mostly comes through applied creativity applied creativity doesn't always lead to effectiveness brilliant well, I was hoping you'd give that answer oh man that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be because sometimes I mean a couple of them were hard but you hear them and 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 I took one out before recording actually because I thought it was unfair but I wish I'd stuck it in so I might find a way of crowbarring that in later in in the show Um, but to kick things off Mark we like to celebrate the linear and and more often than not not so linear paths that guests have taken in their careers if I could draw a wiggly line of yours it would go it would go all over the place so you're currently Dean at the School of Communication Arts but before that are you even able to summarize your first ever jobs and then what you would regard as your first proper job yeah i mean i've had a chance to think about this one as a fan of yours and you know listening to i don't know a couple of dozen at least probably a couple of the score um people that come before me um my first job i got when i was 13 was in a um a computer shop um so i was it was 1985 86 I got a job in a computer shop in Croydon at the end of Surrey Street Market. It was called High Voltage. And it was owned by the man that started the first PC world that um, um, in Croydon that became, you know, PC world that, that we know today. Obviously, got bought by DSG. So that was my first job at 13, sort of learning to sell and, and all of that and being a bit techie and geeky. I was also a bit of an entrepreneur at school, got expelled a couple of times for being a bit entrepreneurial. But my first proper job was at, at Leah Burnett in Johannesburg in 94. Uh, so I went to Johannesburg straight out of the SCA. Um, I was offered a few nice opportunities in London with my art director partner, Seb Bishop, who went on to do really well. And, and I was also interested in going overseas for sort of personal reasons and mostly South Africa uh, because Mandela was hopefully about to get elected. So I went to Joe Berg, joined Leah Burnett, and got fired three months later, step and repeat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a pattern. There is There's a, a pattern, pattern there. Yeah. yeah. And and so what? Why why did you not? I suppose in the eyes of people who were making decisions to expel or fire, why did you not seemingly fit in their eyes? Well, I I hope on reflection. It's a great question. I hope it's and I wasn't prepared, but it's 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 what I thought about. I hope it's because I'm an outlier, you know, and. And want to test the status quo with growing, with maturity. I guess at 13 or 15 or 18 or even 22, probably not with the maturity that I hope I've got at 49. But nevertheless, systems don't like outliers. And outliers are important to change, to change systems. And so, um, and so there you have um, the beginnings of, of, of an exciting story of conflict and um, and drama and, and, and potentially change and, and whatever, I suppose. Yeah, 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 no, no doubt. Just taking it back again to the point you made about being expelled from the schools. I don't, I don't want to dwell on that necessarily. But... Oh, I don't mind at all. I've, I've spoken about them. I've I got no, no, nothing for which I'm ashamed of, Giles, whatsoever. Oh, no, no, no. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't doubt that for one minute, Mark. Um, but, then, but then obviously not, it can't have been too many years later, you were a scholarship student at the SCA. So how did that happen? And uh, what did that feel like when you went to the SCA versus your previous experience of education? Well, so, okay, so without dwelling on the reasons why, I was expelled for being entrepreneurial um, um, through secondary education, and I don't have 
and I'd never been to university and I don't have any A-levels to speak about or GCSEs to speak about. And my dad got into trouble. Um, and I've spoken about this publicly before, but he got arrested, um, I guess, when I was about 19. Um, and, you know, the, the house was taken away and all the rest of it. And I got myself a job um, really for security for the family in the department store of the place where I had a job was a copy of the Guardian newspaper. And in the Guardian was a competition to win a place at the SCA as it last existed. And and I won that scholarship. And it was the first place where they welcomed outliers and and, and helped them discover how to use their, their peculiarities to, to do good. Um, and from that moment, um, everything, made, everything made sense. Um, and I realized what power I had and how to use that power in, in, in more effective ways. And I really did very, it was the first bit of school where I didn't just do well. I, you know, I, 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 I you know, I, I won it, you know. As I mentioned on the quick fires, I was really pleased that you answered effectiveness. And I, I would like to think everyone in the industry would, but I, I don't think that's necessarily true. And I've seen recently people I admire hugely in the industry defend, I'm not asking you to either here, but to defend the criticism that can often receives because it doesn't seem to recognize that applied creativity and the commercial effectiveness that some might accurately say has kind of been lost or we've lost sight of. And, and was it the, the applied creativity and that learning, even going back to when you were 13, that caught your eye as you opened, for example, South Africa's first comedy club, you started an internet company? I mean, you, you were very, very, very successful financially. Is that where your focus has been? No, no, because it's never been about the money. I, Pete and I, so Pete teaches at the school with me now. We were students together at the school at the same time. Uh, we re we both remembered this. You know, we were trained by John. You don't go after the Ferrari. You can't beat a Ferrari in a race. You don't go after a Ferrari. You you run your race. You do the things that you want to do. And if you do it really well, there'll be a Ferrari waiting outside for you. And I, I remember that lesson so clearly. You do what you need to do to be the very best version of you to, to win your race. And you'll get your Ferrari. And it's so true. I mean, I... It, um, it, it manifested. So no, it's never been about the money. The money is potentially, and not always by any stretch, but is potentially a way of keeping score for some people, by no means all, for how well they might be doing, by no means not all the time or fairly. Um, or it can end up being a distraction and lead people down the wrong path and they don't end up living their, their true self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good answer. I like the idea of it being more of a byproduct as well. It can only be a byproduct. Yeah, it has to be a byproduct. Otherwise, we end up like bankers and and the sort that don't actually make anything. They just move stuff around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but did that affect you? You mentioned Ferraris. I know you've um, shared previously that you did have a fleet of nice cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. You know, an, an idiot from Croydon with a bunch of fast cars. <laughs> and, I, and also, by the way, I, I said that I, I can't drive very well either. I'm an awful driver. So, yeah, I was for a while, I was a flash silly, um, more than a while, I was a flash silly prick. And thankfully, um, I met the most incredible woman who comes from farming stock. Um, she's incredibly bright. She's a doctorate and, you know, a, a leader in her field. So, so you know, but, um, but she didn't want, need that flash version of me. She, um, so... We celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary last or Saturday just gone and been together 20 or so years. And, you know, you are the average of the company you keep, right? So, um, yeah, I've been on, I think we're all on journeys, I hope. 
Yeah, well, congratulations on your on your anniversary, and it does sound like Mrs. Lewis has kept you grounded. And I like the fact you couldn't woo her with a Ferrari. That no, I picked helped. her up in one, and um, she still takes the piss out of me for it, and quite rightly. Yeah, I mean, I picked her up in it to be flashed, and she saw right through it. Oh, brilliant. Um, did, did it, I mean, I, I, again, I, I might be completely wrong here, but did that financial success make it easier when you did decide to reopen the SCA in 2010? Did that enable you the time to, to, to at least consider that? As an option yeah it definitely gave me freedom the, the one thing um that is certainly true is i mean money doesn't buy happiness by any stretch but it does buy freedom um and it gave me freedom and what led you to decide to reopen it in 2010 was that 20 years after you were a student i think um no i left in 94 um i decided to start i, I started the journey of reopening the school in 2008 and welcomed our first student in 2010 why reopen the school First of all, it was a crime that the industry allowed this great school to close, but they did. And I guess one of the things that, that New South Africa taught me um, is, is you forgive crimes of the past and you fix them quickly for the future, right? That's what the, the TRC was all about for me, um, the Truth and Reconciliation. So, um, so I, I felt that I had a responsibility and, and it came at a good time. And then also I think that in my period around 2008 and stuff that was happening in my life around then, I was coming, and, and Rory Sutherland played a lot of, 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 of help in squeezing this out of me and in, in working out my version of SCA. We found this North Star that I wanted to follow and I wanted to give the industry, which is the word reciprocity. Um, and so um, I've spoken a bit about re reciprocity and, 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 and my students and faculty will roll their eyes at this, but I'll share it with you, Jazz, for anybody that hasn't heard me bang on about it. Um, I just think that reciprocity is, is one of the most powerful things in the world. It features in every great religion, you know, love thy neighbour, for example. The idea is that we should all want to leave our village in a better state than we found it, that we all have a responsibility to put more water into the well than we took from the well. And if we all subscribe to this idea of shared reciprocity, that we are all looking out for our village and all intent on leaving our village better than we found it, because we are all helping each other, things can only get better. Any other system is unsustainable. So a system of pure capitalism and greed, which is where we mostly are, is unsustainable. Look where we're heading. Also, where the SCA used to be when John Gillard was, um, was, was, was running it, it was a charity. And that's also unsustainable because when a great man like John gets ill and then passes, there's no longer um, um, a visionary to follow, nor a vision to follow. And again, agencies, organizations are greedy. So um, reopening the school for me was about bringing reciprocity to the industry where the more the industry puts into the school, the more they get out of it. So putting money in gets scholarship talent and diversity and all the benefits that comes from that, but it also gets access to set briefs and we help agencies win pitches. It gives early access to talent and only access to alumni, only access to me giving talks and classes and so forth. So um, hopefully one of the things I've started to do, and I've got a lot more to do before I'm finished, is help this industry understand that for it to, and it's a village, it's always been a village, for it to become a, a thriving village again, reciprocity is the star 
that it needs to follow together. Yeah, well said. I, funny enough, it, it seems strange retrospectively now to make this comment, but you said any other system is unsustainable. Um, and that just, that's so true, and I'd never really considered it that way. Yes. Um, that's not to say that I don't enjoy commercialism and, 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 and to some extent, free trade. You know, I'm in advertising. I want to persuade nine-year-old kids to drink sugary carbonated water and 15-year-old men to start gambling. I'm, I'm, I'm being cynical and exaggerating, but only to some extent. I, I, I want to build factories. I want to create trade and I want to fuel enterprise. But at the same time, I want to do it by making the village better than uh, when, I, when, when, when my heart finally goes, than when my heart had its first beat. Well, given this sustainable model, what is the future of, of SCA? I've heard you say you've got the best job in advertising. So how does that job get better in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of this depends, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting at the moment. So we're, we're recording this on what might be the hottest day of the year, 19th of July. I don't know when this will be going out. Tomorrow is our portfolio day. And so we're about to kick out an incredible cohort. And I am recruiting my next cohort. And, and they look fantastic. Again, we're going to have, I believe, another incredible year. Is this sustainable? I mean, I, I think that the industry is damaging itself at the moment and it's causing schools around the world to close. So Watford's closed, Creative Circus in the USA has closed. Um, and my school, um, I put two loans in um, over the last three years. Uh, I took a mortgage out um, four months ago to give us another year. And... You know, there are agencies that, that support us that we're incredibly grateful for. Um, and there are so many agencies that we call charity shop shoplifters um, that, you know, that, that cause a lot of harm. And then there are also a lot of agencies that, because there's a, a, um, a panic over war on talent, are bringing um, training in-house, are running apprenticeships in-house. Um, last summer, so summer 2021, um, I offered six young adults from Brixton Finishing School each a scholarship. I thought they were fantastic. I wanted to work with them and, and spend a year with them. So, And I had the budget to offer them a scholarship. And each of them turned me down because they, they were able to get a, a level three apprenticeship where they would be paid about £5 an hour for their first year and then £10 an hour for their second year. And I understand it, right? If you are from a, a, a low-income household, you know, then, then you know, sort of a bit of pocket money is it makes all the difference. So you ask me what the future is. Um, this has been top secret until now, and and you are the first to hear this. We were um, approached by friends at the Institute for Apprenticeships about a year ago, um, where I had been making the argument that current apprenticeships, which are level three, are poor for social mobility in the industry. So level three. Is, is a level level. We um, have had a level six um, apprenticeship um, written. We've shown it to the IPA who sponsored the level three, who agree that the level three is ineffective and they like our level six. And from September 2023, we will be providing, subject to everything going through governments and stuff, we will be providing apprenticeships um, as well as a portfolio school. Um, so, so that's a bit of change, you know, coming. We have to, we have to change with the times. Um, we hope that in doing that, it will be another measure 
to stop those charity shop shoplifters um, you know, that I referred to and also make sure that when we offer a young adult from a place like Brixton Finishing School a scholarship, they don't turn us down because of immediate need. You know, their future isn't compromised, you know, for that for that um for that reason. So that that's very much in my um in my in my immediate plan because starting in September will be regular portfolio school, but September twenty three, in order to move with the times, um, we will work with our um sponsors to help them unlock their apprenticeship levy. I mean, the beauty of, of apprenticeships for, um, why would anybody that's hearing this know about it? If, if your business has a payroll um, of over three million pounds a year, you're automatically paying an apprenticeship levy to the government. And if you don't use that apprenticeship levy within three years by funding an apprentice in your organization, the money will be spent on whoever moves into number 10 next, they'll buy some more wallpaper, right? So, uh, and this is why there has been a, an abundance of apprenticeships in agencies and other places, albeit the wrong type at the wrong level. So all of our sponsors uh, will be invited to use their apprenticeship levy to save money and fund apprenticeships from September 23. We hope what that will do is, is put a final nail in the coffin to those fuckers that 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 um you know use their privilege to 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 nick from the charity shop um and make things fairer for all that's fantastic news brilliant well done mark i mean as you said it takes outliers to change systems and i think one of the um one of the systems which i know you've spoken about very eloquently on your lovely isolated talks donation is that education system that does seem flawed um, you touched on social mobility there and i know and i'd love to give a shout out and i'm sure you won't mind to commercial break who is one of the sea's partners for the wonderful work that they do and james hillhouse etc and I know diversity and the industry's ability to jump on that bandwagon is another topic which we need to dig into. But diversity takes many shapes and, and people interpret it in very many ways. But it is a key value of your school. And there was a, there was a line of yours that I was going to use in your intro, but I do want to give it some airtime, which is what better way as a school to be full of brilliant, unexpected ideas than to fill that school with brilliant unexpected minds yeah and of course i imagine these partnerships and and potentially the apprenticeships in 2023 and onwards and not least the scholarships do enable you to address diversity yeah so um i can, can, do, do you mind Charles, if we just quickly unpack that word diversity first because no please do you know in the 12 years that, that the school's been running and i suppose the 14 years that i've been thinking about building and then running the school there have been several focuses spotlights uh, where the industry is, has turned its attention on diversity, gender and colour, mainly. Um, and they're both incredibly important. And you don't solve societal problems until those are solved. And there are other ones that are so important as well. So, for example, ageism um, is a huge problem in this industry. I'm so proud that we've got a mother of twins um, who is um, smashing it this year on display at Portfolio Day with her um, her, her partner? Uh, I'm so proud that Asaji, a father of two, um, studying online with a full time job, won the black pencil last year. Um, so ageism is rife. In that video that I sent you, and you know, I know Noam has done a, um, a talk with you 
Um, we talk about people that that that, that um, um, had challenges through the care system or found challenges with recovery from addiction. Um, and again, these people um, are so interesting, um, have empathy that, that really helps our creativity, and that's diversity. But similarly, I've had not direct royalty, but I've had not senior royalty at least, but junior royalty in that same room. And that's important to have that as well. Until Brexit, we used to have beautiful international diet. So diversity comes in, you know, all, all sorts of diversity is diverse. And, um, and I just wanted to spend three or four minutes just laboring that point so that we are always human focused whenever we're thinking about human tasks like creativity, education, communication. Yeah, no, I'm pleased you did, Mark, because I think um, there, there, is, there is so many parts to that topic which could go off in all sorts of different directions and actually defining what diversity means is, is important. In fact, I remember Steve Harrison talking about diversity and he made the point that I think the statistic is, I'm not going to remember it as accurately as I probably should, but of, of people of colour in the industry, about 90% of them were privately educated. And it's just points like that where you can actually understand that something could be seen to be successful actually still has a massive social mobility problem, which which perhaps isn't being addressed. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. Um, what's your football team? Time, weather and... We interrupt this podcast to announce that we will never interrupt this podcast with ads. Ads that awkwardly nudge you to contact the pod's host, Giles Edwards, on 01189 952 007. Only recently, some pod listening companies did just that, calling for guidance on direct mail and customer research. But we're not asking you to do that. Nope. Anyway, back to the show. Yeah, it is now. Hang on, hold on. So who? So who is who is helping, Mark? There we go. <laughs> you change the subject. I was just going to say that you. Um, not everything that counts can be counted. And you look at a player, and you can see how how they perform through their stats, or you can see how they are on the pitch. And they're two completely different things. And let you, your eyes will tell you what's true. So when agencies bleat on about diversity, and then I walk into their office. And there's fuck all lower class, sorry. And there's no um, nobody older, um, and there's no returning mums, and and so on. You know, then it's tokenism, and you know, and and, and tokenism is, is, isn't going to serve anybody at all. No, you're absolutely right. But why do you think our industry is so quick to jump on that bandwagon? Is it just a just a means to an end? Why do you jump on a bandwagon? I think you jump on a bandwagon when you don't know where you're going. And I think you jump um, on a bandwagon when you don't know where you're going because you're not quite sure or you've forgotten what your purpose is and where you're meant to be. Um, and that's been the state of our industry for quite a while now. There's a Greek word called telos that I speak a lot about. The word telos means knife in Old Greek. And uh, uh, the, the, purpose, the purpose of a knife is to cut, I'm sorry. And so um, the purpose of our industry used to be very different to what it is now. I mean, like when I read my history books and I read about, you know, how Ray Kroc and Burnett plotted the future of McDonald's together, for example, um, I, I think I feel commercial creativity. I think I feel an industry in tune with culture leading the brand into a brave new world. 
when I think about agencies today, I don't see commercial creativity. I don't see them in tune with culture and I don't see them leading the brand into a brave new future. And that's why places like management consultancies are eating their lunch. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's why I, without, I hope, putting words in your mouth, you said that 30 seconds spot is, is dead or at least suffering because the answer isn't necessarily an ad. And that's why I asked you communications or advertising in the warm-up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do believe that, that film will, will have purpose long, long into the future. And there will, you know, um, there will be, I don't know, 200 million people around the planet watching the next Stranger Things series on Netflix when it introduces advertising. And there is a place for, for, for mass branding, you know, that Rory Sutherland talks so eloquently about. And there are a bunch of other things as well that were not available to me when I was a creative at SCA in the 90s that are available to, to creatives now. You know, the, the choice of canvas within which to be commercially creative has expanded exponentially. And so how do you how do you um, how do you inspire that creativity within the school then? So you're not just you know, you're not just churning out ads, you're not just churning out TV spots. It's actually looking you know, past the means or the medium? I think it's got to start with a philosophy. And the, the, as I say, the philosophy is the pursuit of um, commercial creativity, um, almost unapologetically stealing from Steve Harrison's problem, solution, relevant abruption. And, you know, Steve is, is a very modern man for a, for, for a man that's three or, four, three or four years older than me. He's a very <laughs> modern man. Um, but there are channels that, that my students today can exploit that's, that Steve and Steve's generation need this next generation to come and solve. You know, there are, there are all sorts of opportunities. And, and that's what we remind our students, that, that we are standing on the shoulders of the giants like Steve or the giants like, I don't know, um, Trot or, or Sutherland here, but, but um, you know, Gossage and Burnback, or, you know, all these giants. Um, but um, these giants from the past, you know, they didn't have TikTok or AR for example, as canvases in which to, you know, pop up shops, um, the opportunity of hacking Spotify. To, they didn't have these, these, these weren't things that, that Howard Luck Gossage was able to play with, but we can, you know, not only can we do that, but we can so quickly um, minimum viable product, uh, um, um, an idea, you know, put it onto Kickstarter and find out whether, you know, we can help a, a client, you know, innovate with, with NPD, which is why we do, um, sessions on NPD really, really early in the school year, um, which is why, you know, we we talk about students at Portfolio Day at the end of the year still showing their, their banging NPD in their in their portfolios. You know, it's something really viable for, for agencies. I always talk about, so there's, there's a, a bunch of creative techniques that I teach in week two and week three um, at the school. And then we bring in a new product development brief where I bring a bunch of categories in the supermarket stick students into teams and their job is to come up with a brand new product in their given category. And I just, as, a, as an example, um, a, a team, Robbie and Ollie one year, they came up with this idea that chocolate's lovely, but why can't you eat chocolate with a bit of carotene? Oh, Alexa, stop. Jesus. Why can't you eat chocolate with a bit of, I think it was carotene in it, which gives you a suntan and they called it tan au chocolat. <laughs> and they got it made. They got it made, and they got it listed at Harvey Nichols, and they got it, and they piled it high on their on their desk at Portfolio Day. Now, what agency is going to turn that down when it comes to, you know, giving a 
student a job? And what client is going to turn down an agency that's got creatives that can think commercially like that? You know, well beyond the the thirty second spot or the banner ad or the or the or the forty eight sheet or whatever. These guys spotted a problem, found a solution, and created a relevant abruption exactly as Steve Harrison told them to do. And what would Howard Luck Gossage do with a bit of TikTok? Yeah, <laughs> right. I love it. Um, I've got a few listener questions for you, Mark. I mean, as expected, we've we've gone past half an hour quite easily, and I, I'm mindful of your time. So I'm going to move there now. Okay. So asking the general public for their opinion, be it on Brexit or boat names, is notoriously fraught with danger, but that's not stopped us asking. We've got three, actually. We've allowed the brilliant Matt Sibley two. And his first question is, our industry can be cynical. How can we make sure we don't blind ourselves to new opportunities? Yeah, thank you for that question, Matt, because you give me a chance to bang on about. So I spoke about reciprocity at the beginning, unless Giles decided to edit it out. And I'm now going to bang on about the other thing I bang on about a lot, which is the practice of gratitude. Again, all the great religions practice gratitude, and I'm not a religious man, but I've learned just how important gratitude is, and I wish the industry practiced it more. So let's first of all quickly talk about gratitude. It's part of, I guess, this buzzy thing that people bang on about mindfulness. But gratitude is very simply the act of purposefully being in the moment to reflect on your day and think about three, is the guided way, specific and novel things that you're thankful for for that day and then writing them down. So you think, what did I experience that day for which I'm um, for which I'm grateful for, which is novel, it's specific um, and novel, and um, and you write it down. And Professor Richard Wiseman at the School of Luck proven that people who practice gratitude it changes their psychology. It makes them see the letters of the words opportunity is nowhere. They see the words opportunity is now here. It's the same words in the same order. Opportunity is now here. Opportunity is nowhere. The cynic sees opportunity is nowhere, Matt. The practice of gratitude over 21 consecutive days, according to the study by Professor Richard Wiseman, although there are very many studies, demonstrate that there is a shift in attitude that then shifts our, 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 our entire destiny, entire way that we experience life. Um, and I would suggest to the industry a little bit of gratitude, mindful gratitude. That's a lovely study. Yeah, it's not mine. So yeah, again, Professor Richard Wiseman, there are, there are plenty, plenty. Um, and anybody that comes to the school gets this stuff in, in abundance. Um, any um, corporate training that we do, we bring in mindfulness and gratitude partners right from the start. The very first session, we bring in experts in, in gratitude and mindfulness on the very first day because we see it. We see a cynical industry. We see a cynical culture. Uh, we see a cynical media. And the way, the way you defend against cynicism is by seeing the, yeah, seeing the challenges in life, and, but seeing them as opportunities and, and seeing the good in people at the same time. So um, we have to... We have to protect our psyche all the time. Otherwise, we end up being one of those cynics. Yeah, brilliant. I'm going to try and um, we'll try and link to Richard Wiseman, that study, and, and, and no doubt more in, in the episode links. Matt's second question then. So Matt also asks, 
Everyone loves London indie agencies like Uncommon and Mother, but how can we make indie agencies outside London as desirable to new talent? Oh my God, they really are. They really are. Um, honestly, they are. One of our partners is the Mission Group, who have down in, in Croy, Bray Leno, for example. Um, our placement teams, when they go down there, they, they go surfing. Or in Bristol, they go on a canal boat to the agency up there. One of the things that, that we need to be mindful of is, is that there is a world outside of London. And, you know, if you are starting your career, you might also want to start a family. And starting a family in London is challenging because, you know, property prices are beyond stupid. But, you know, getting a, a job for McCann in Bristol or Manchester or, or Bray Leno in, uh, as I say, in Croy, um, for example... Um, or Story in Edinburgh, for example, beautiful beach again. Um, these are these are really creative shops that are winning big awards and have amazing clients and also offer a quality of life. And, and again, let's go back to that word diversity. Of course, I'm very proud that most of um, Droga New York, most of Droga London, despite them not being fucking sponsors, um, you know, Droga, Droga New York has got, I think, four SCA teams. Yeah, I'm proud of that stuff, but I'm equally proud that, that, that we have students who want to start families and have a quality of life, work-life balance, and that we have partners, as I say, like the Mission Group um, or Specsaver in Guernsey that can offer not just great creativity. I mean, fuck, look at the amazing work that Specsaver produces, but also an admirable quality of life. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant answer. Um, but we have an unsurprisingly brilliant question from Dave Burse. <laughs> Hello, my beauty. <laughs> so, yeah, get ready. Dave says, you're preparing students for the industry of the future, yet so many agencies are struggling to move on from the industry of the past. What advice do you have for the agencies who hire the student? I think you've got to get ready, get ready for change. I think you know it's coming. We can't carry on like this. We've got to find our confidence back. Um, we got to reclaim um, what what other sectors are are trying to take from us. Uh, we need to connect back into communities and understand how to get tribes in communities shouting our our straplines, our slogans, our songs, um, or whatever the twenty first century version of those are. And to do that, we need to connect. Um, you don't do that on the beaches of Cannes. Um, you know, you don't do that from um, from the jet set, but we need to connect um, in order to find that confidence, in order to be able to serve the next entrepreneur like that Ray Kroc that I alluded to, who changed, you know, the entire fast food sector through McDonald's. Um, you know, we need to be able to identify these new emerging categories and these new emerging entrepreneurs and, and guide and nurture them. We need to be able to, um, I tell you something else we need to do that we got to talk about awards. I tell my students on the first day, my, my school, we win a lot of awards. I mean, I'm talking to you just having, having found out like last Wednesday that we got the black pencil again. So it's like five black pencils in a, in a row, five years in a row. And I think eight in 10, you know, and you know, which, which puts us, you know, uh, you know if, if there was a, a league table of, of, of awards one, I think that not just in, 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 in schools, but schools and agencies, if you could do such a thing, would be, you know, we 
bagging right, right up there. But what I tell my students is, although we're going to win all these awards, the one that really matters, that one of us is going to win one day. And you might think I'm a sugar for saying this, but I promise you this is true. One of you is going to win the Nobel Prize. The reason that you're going to do that is you're going to find a way by using a brand, you're going to find a way of improving a million lives by putting 10,000 people into education or, or helping uh, 10 million people find water through the power of a brand. Because Alphabet, Google or Meta, Facebook or Unilever or Coke or Diageo, they got more power than Germany or, or Spain or Italy or, or South Korea. They got more power. But these brands are only going to behave this way if there's something in it for them, reciprocity. So we've got to think at, at huge scale, like Burnett thought, at huge scale, how to make entrepreneurs a lot of money whilst making the world a better place. They have to go hand in hand and um, an and, and equal step. We've got to make a lot of money because... Um, you know, we live in a in a society where where capital requires you know investment in capital requires a return, and it's that investment in in capital that fuels innovation that that takes us forwards. So we have to make money, but we can't do it um, at, in the ways that we have been doing it, costing our planet, costing our mental health, costing our time with our families, uh, costing our freedoms. So we have to. We have to be more creative, which is our job. It's not the job of people at McKinsey or Deloitte, although they might pretend it to be right now. It's the job of creatives, the outliers, uh, that see the world as it could be. And then our persuasive communicators that have the year um, of brave entrepreneurs of capital to go out and make the world a better place. It's our job. Dave, that's our job. Dave's going to love that answer. I think everyone's going to love that answer. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm at risk of diluting that answer if I, if I speak any longer. <laughs> that was brilliant. Nice one, Mark. The final part of the interview is our four pertinent poses then that we put to all of our guests. Are you ready for more? So number one, what advice would you give to your younger self? Advice would I give to my younger self? Yeah, okay. The first is, is um, I'll give one. The uh, practice gratitude sooner, uh, Giles, both to myself and to others. Um, my my psyche is no it, my resilience is no questionably much stronger thanks to gratitude. My ability to spot opportunity is served so much better. But then also being able to say, and this is a, a more recent discovery, but being able to say thank you to others. I've realized the importance of that. So being able to spot what you're grateful for and then communicate first to yourself and then to others what you're grateful for would be the advice that I would give my younger self. Learn that sooner. Excellent. Well, I think this is episode 92 or 93 and that certainly hasn't come up, but it's brilliant. Wow, really? Wow. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Number two, if you could banish one thing from the industry, what would it be and why? Well, I spoke about this, so here's an easy one. Charity shoplifters and level three creative apprenticeships. Both of them are like, um, I can only describe them as like vampires sucking the creative blood out of the industry. The, the ones that nick the scholarship kids are, uh, and sometimes do it under the auspices that they're cool shops or that they're 
they're, I don't know, good socialists, they're vampires, and level three, um, you know, it was dead in the water before it was even born. It, it's, it's awful for social mobility. Um, and we're going we're gonna to drive a, a stake through its heart. Yes, well, I mean, this isn't aimed at anyone in particular. Everyone hates advertising until they lose their cat. I'm thinking of them. I hope they listen to your reciprocity chat uh, from earlier on in this episode. <laughs> I mean, there are one or two people that I've spoken to off the record and called them just charity shop shoplifters. Um, one of them won't ever speak to me again. I'm, I'm very well aware of that. He didn't take it very well. He, he, was, he was upset that, that I accused him of having his hand in the till. Um, but... Do you know, um, it, fuck it. I, um, I would rather have lovely people come into the shop that want to help each other try stuff on and, and bring new stuff to the shop than, yeah, as I say, a charity shop shoplifter. And you know who you are. <laughs> I don't know why, but it reminds me of that lovely interview. I mean, there's so many to choose from, from Harry Redknapp when he's talking about signing. I think it was Robbie Keane at the time. Uh, and he wanted a, a gold bonus, and Harry, in his in his usual way, just said, "What what the fuck do you think we're signing you for?" <laughs> uh, are there any books that you can recommend to our listeners, Mark? So I've thought about this a lot because this is a regular question. Um, and if you don't mind, I want to break this into three little bits uh, very quickly. Um, two books that, that that I absolutely adore that I don't know that that many of your readers would have read. They're quite old, and so they're probably really cheap. But I I, I tell my students to read them for diversity. You know, um, one is History of Ideas from Fire to Freud. It's a great toilet read. Um, every page is a different idea. So it's kind of a problem solution in there. And I just love, it reminds me how inventive we are as a breed, um, as a species. You know, so a History of Ideas from Fire to Freud. And then Watching the English by Kate Fox, particularly, uh, but not just for, but particularly for my international friends and students that come over to understand why we're a bit odd. But really for any of us, because Kate Fox is a brilliant writer uh, and a great observer of, of our behaviour. Um, and it's just full of insight. So it's just full of opportunity to, to create great, great work. Right. So those two um, are in that bucket. My second bucket is just simply Steve Harrison. So I don't care whether that's his, his um, uh, introducing you to the life of Gossage or how to do better creative or can't sell, won't sell. Steve Harrison is our industry's Plato and um, the greatest thinker in my, in my mind right now. And um, um, I would just say anybody that's not reading Steve Harrison is not on their game, which is why, you know, when you asked me that question right at the start, I had to answer Steve. And then finally, the first book I get all my students to read before the first day of school is Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath, uh, two brothers. And the framework that they have, the success framework, is how we evaluate all of our ideas um, all the way through the year, um, through the, the major stick framework. Um, so those, those are my three buckets. Um, sorry, long answer. No, not at all. That's fantastic. I think major stick has come up a few times, but it oh, doesn't cool. mean to say it shouldn't have come up a few times more. Uh, Steve Harrison. Yeah, I mean, I would wax lyrical about Steve all day. I had the pleasure of actually being interviewed by Steve Harrison the other day, and it did feel like I was being interviewed by Plato. <laughs> Intimidatingly uh, smart and yet so articulate and charming that it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, and history yeah. of ideas and watching the English have not come up before. And that's that's fantastic. I'm going to look those up. Watching the English sounds 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 brilliant. Yeah, it's a bit out of date. In as much as I think she wrote it in the mobile phone era, because um, immediately after writing that, she wrote a report for I think it was for Charles Dunstan, which um, which identified 
you know, behaviors in mobile phones that helped him make a lot of money, you know. So um, I think she was very big around the turn of the millennia. But nevertheless, you know, behaviors don't change very much. No, those those peculiarities are probably quite consistent with us. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so number four, then, I think, as you know, we always dedicate every episode to someone and we bestow or hospital pass that honour, depending on your view, to our guest who has to give their reason why. So would you kindly do the honours? Um, <laughs> so when I listened to Steve's um, episode, and obviously he, he um, uh, dedicated his to, 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 his, to, to Mo, and, and quite right, it makes me feel really guilty that I can't, I won't be dedicating this one to Rach, um, although I should. Um, I must dedicate it to John Gillard, who is my inspiration um, almost every hour, but certainly every day. He helps me find my purpose and uh, reminds me that my role is to help people find their purpose. And he helped to get the best out of me and reminds me that my job is to try and get the best out of other people. Um, and, you know, when I reopened the school, I deliberately wanted to open it in a building that was quite literally on the other side of the wall to where the school used to be, because I wanted to feel his echo. I wanted to be able to sense his soul. Um, it sounds really weird, but there, are, there we are. He is, um, um, I hope he's, he's still alive in the school. Um, and so this, this episode is dedicated to John. That's a wonderful dedication. And I'm, and I'm very honoured and uh, proud to de dedicate this episode to John Gillard. So as a final call to action, if everyone heads over to this listing, we'll link to everything discussed. So the School of Communication Arts, there's a few articles that I've got printed out in front of me that I must share that we didn't actually get a chance to dig into too deeply. We'll link to all of the books. How else can our listeners get more Mark Lewis? <laughs> Do you want more Mark Lewis? It's, um, Steve gave his phone number at the end, didn't he? You can very easily book a phone call with me by going to the school's website and clicking book a call. So every day I leave a couple of hours open in my diary for anybody that wants to book a call with me, whether that's a chat about joining the school, supporting the school, talking about football, whatever. You can book a call with me. There's about two hours every day, except when I'm on holiday. You can follow me at SCA2Dean. I tend to be bragging about my students or sharing their topical ads. So... Um, you know, that's about all I do on social media is brag um, and share their work. Um, so I guess those are the ways. If you are, when does this go out, Giles? Uh, it'll be in about a month's time, I believe. Okay, so it might be if you it might be a bit too late to apply to the school. It might not be if you are thinking of applying. Um, school starts mid September. If you are thinking of applying, hurry up because you know there, there won't be much time when it, when this goes out. But don't put it off. But also don't apply unless you're ready. I mean, it's going to be, what I should say is, is we're always looking for talent, but we want talent that are ready for the hardest year of their life because, you know, we're, we're going to work really, really hard. So if, if you're interested and it's mid-August, you've probably just about got time. If it's much later, book a call with me anyway. Maybe we can talk about joining us in the apprenticeship year 23. Perfect. Well, there's nothing wrong with delaying it a year either, is there? I know a couple of your students have, have, have done that. I, I, I honestly think that, that some of my students have thrived because they've delayed a few years. You know, um, it means more to them. They've come with more collective wisdom. They've been on some short courses. They've got more, you know, they followed us. So they've got more competence or understanding of what they're getting themselves into. So definitely I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush something as transformative 
as this sort of education. Um, you know, you've really got to be strong and ready for it. It's challenging. It really is much more challenging than a university course. But at the same time, I would say, you know, that, that if if you're umming and ahhing about it, it's possible, it's probable, because a lot of people over COVID have been questioning what they want to do. Yeah, listen to that voice and speak to a few people and make sure you're doing your purpose. You're, you're, you're happy every day, living your best life. As I say, every heartbeat, that was my... Um, yeah, one of, one of my big learnings, I guess, with with all of my health stuff that, that that you know about was just make sure make sure that every heartbeat is worth it. Fantastic. We'll link to that. We'll encourage everybody to book in that time to have a call with you. Otherwise, it would just be me trying to talk to Mark about all or nothing when it's finally released. <laughs> I'm um... Looking forward to that, right? <laughs> nothing. Um... Nothing. <laughs> But uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thanks for talking to us about John Gillard, about your background, about reciprocity. That's uh, easier to write than it is to say. Gratitude um, and everything else we've touched on. I think it's really important and it is very inspiring to talk to people who are outliers, who are trying to change systems, which clearly need some form of change. So uh, congratulations on that and, and thank you for your time. Oh, you're very kind and thanks for having me on here. It gives me a platform to talk about the school, which I'm really grateful for. And finally, then, thank you to everyone listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do share it and review the pod. Keep your questions and guest requests coming in. To get in touch, it's easy to find GASP online. You can check out CTA Pod on Instagram or just email hello at calltoaction.co. Try and I try and I try.